Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The incident is now 15 years ago or whatever it is, and um, it's still not rested, but it's part of footy folklore, so you can't get away from that. I recall my review afterwards was that, yeah, look, there were definitely some free kicks in the last quarter that were um, that were incorrect decisions to the way of Fremantle. As long as I sit here today and get struck down, it, it was always true as pie, and the whole thing happened. There's no fabric in it, there's no makeup in it. I mean, you couldn't make that up. You couldn't make it up that an umpire stood in the bloody aisle and say, oh, that'll teach him four points and 20,000 or something to that extent. St Kilda coach Grant Thomas, AFL umpire Matthew Head and Saints assistant Mark Parker. Three of the central figures in what became known as the Whispers in the Sky scandal of 2005. A classic whodunit that remains as hotly debated today as it was 15 years ago. It was a furnace of controversy that involved $20,000 worth of fines, a winning goal after the siren following a series of contentious free kicks, a lucky fan upgraded to business class who found himself in the eye of an AFL storm, a boarding pass that became a key piece of evidence, an official AFL investigation and even a marriage proposal. But more on that later. Coming up, you'll hear from the key players. Grant Thomas, who wore the bulk of that fine for slamming the officials, former umpire Matthew Head, who stood accused of telling Channel 9 reporter Tony Jones after the game, now I know what it feels like to have a victory. And fellow business class passengers, Saints official Mark Parker and club member Mitch Rentesis. This is your classic he said, she said tale. Or was anything said at all? We'll let you decide. I'm Sam Edmund and you're listening to Uncovered. An attractive offer was put in front of me. I'm an AFL career coach. So as I sit here today, I hold my head high. These are events which have traumatised our club in the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Um, but this is what football's come to these days and this is what the players wanted. It's probably going to take this for the AFL to change the rules. It's an absolute joke. There's no way it should be decided after another game. Guys come here for a win or a loss and uh, that's what we should be leaving with. As St Kilda coach between 2001 and 2006, Grant Thomas had a man management approach and a focus on player relationships that was somewhat ahead of its time. But while he was bonding with a rapidly emerging St Kilda playing group, Thomas's relationship with the AFL, or City Hall as he called it, was more like a heavyweight boxing bout full of punches and counter punches. Thomas was no shrinking violet. He called it as he saw it, no matter the consequences. But it all reached boiling point in the wake of St Kilda's round 20 win over North Melbourne at Docklands on August 13, 2005. All the talk centred on the 50 free kicks paid in that game. The count was 26-24 in St Kilda's favour. But there were few people happy with the whistle-stopping play, an average of once every two minutes. Three days later, at his weekly press conference, Thomas opened both barrels. I just felt that that period of time they were getting much more airtime than required and that was reflecting in their approach to manage the game on game day. I don't remember the particular game in particular, but I do remember getting a microphone stuck under my nose at uh, Moorabbin during that week and uh, 
uh, where I um, uh, tried to provide a bit of um, sage advice, let's call it, to the umpire's um, department. This is the sage advice Thomas was talking about. I don't see too many kids running around at school with white shirts on. It's all about the players. The umpires should they should look to attract the most humble and selfless individuals that can't play AFL football uh, that they can find. Then they should pay them whatever they need to pay them to umpire our game as uh, mildly and quietly as they can. Put their ego in the locker when they start their career and pick it up when they finish. The comments were like a red rag to a bull at league headquarters and 24 hours later, then AFL CEO Andrew Dimitri returned fire and another Thomas AFL Stoush was in full swing. I think uh, I think he's in strife. In my eyes, I thought it was pretty poor and uh, unacceptable. I thought it was demeaning to umpires and it was not necessary. Why do you think Grant would have done it? You'd have to ask Grant. Can't speak for Grant. Don't know what goes through some people's minds from time to time. I'd love to but I don't. St Kilda then jetted to Perth for its round 21 clash against Fremantle with an AFL please explain having just landed on Thomas's desk. The footy world is simmering. The AFL are furious with Thomas. The umpires are furious with Thomas. Thomas is peeved with the umpires and in a Friday night primetime match beamed across the country by the Nine Network... The volcano is about to erupt. A goal will give Fremantle a shot at September action. 38,057 people hold their breath at Subiaco Oval. Millions of people around the country. A handstand next to him to put him off. In comes Longmuir to take his kick. Ice cool. Ice cool. Fremantle have won after the sirens. Shockers on Friday Night Football become last-second heroes. They could well be into the finals as the purple haze goes up around the ground. Amazing scenes here. This is one of the stories of the year. St Kilda is third and fighting for a top-four spot. Fremantle is eighth and fighting for a final spot. The stakes are high, and at Subiaco Oval, so is the tension. The Saints players are preparing in the bowels of the stadium when Thomas notices something isn't right. David, the umpires usually come in and uh, um, introduce themselves to all the players and say good day and have a chat. They usually hang around for five to eight, ten minutes, I don't know how long. And uh, this particular day, uh, the, most of the guys were just sort of going through their normal warm-up uh, procedure of relaxing, reading the footy record or uh, getting a massage or doing some stretching or touching the footy or it's very light stuff and I was leaning against the wall with Matty Rendell just talking about some matchups and some particular strategy and the umpires walked in and they walked in in single regimented file like they do when they walk out onto the ground and uh, they walked up to the end of the change rooms uh, did an about face and turned around and walked out without uh, shaking anyone's hand or recognising anyone, or it's just basically a token gesture to say, "Yeah, we're here. We've been to the rooms, and that's it." Uh, Matty Redendale dug me in the rooms and said, "I think we're in for a tough one today, Tomo," <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, yeah, uh, proved to be the case. Nearby, with a magnet board, Thomas's right-hand man Mark Parker made the same observation. It's interesting because we were, we'd had our pre-match, and the players came out, did all their warm-up and everything, and the umpires came in. And um, I wasn't aware at the time, but Matt Rendell said to Tomo, he told me later, he said, he said, we're in trouble here. He said, these umpires have only come in, shook hands with Harvey, Hayes and one other and walked straight out. 
haven't been right around the whole team. Haven't said good day to us, which they normally do. Some character umpires always say good day, here you go. Um, no worries. And then they just nothing happened. And, and Maddie said to Tom, he said, I think we're in trouble. I think we're off. But there's another side to this story. Up until now, the only time umpire Matthew Head has spoken publicly about the incident was a brief statement during the week in question in which he denied the allegations. But here he breaks his silence and he starts with a far different recollection of the rooms pre-match. What, it ha- what ha- used to happen at that time is that each club would nominate a time for umpires to visit to coincide with their warm-up. So, in other words, like, there was no point in going there if they're in a team meeting. So, the view was that you'd go around and uh, any players that were around, usually they're kicking um, kicking footies and, um, you know, doing their own stretching is usually when they're in their own time. Um, uh, but I recall going to the rooms, and um, uh, there wasn't there wasn't that situation in the um, uh, in, in the St Kilda room. So when it they designated time, and there just wasn't that um, uh, you know that, that 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 sort of you know people around, no no coaches around, no kicking balls, etc. So um, so I'm not, I'm not sure what happened there with the timing. Cameras catch Thomas and assistant coach Matt Rendell laughing to themselves in the coach's box as early as the first quarter over what they perceived to be incorrect decisions against the Saints. By the final siren, the umpires had paid 33 free kicks with 18 going to Fremantle. But the Dockers also kicked five goals directly from free kicks. The home side come back from 19 points down with 15 minutes left to win by five points thanks to Justin Longmuir's set-shot goal after the siren. Neither Uncovered or Grant Thomas are suggesting the umpires deliberately manufactured the outcome. But Thomas has always said the umpires are human, are not beyond reproach, and that negative feedback like his made it more difficult for his side. Well, if it wasn't so serious, it would be funny. But, I mean, we, we were caught on camera in the first uh, five or ten minutes of the game uh, laughing our heads off, which um, I think um, a lot of people thought, what are they laughing for, you know? Uh, we're laughing because of the decision making. We just thought, "What is going on here? It's just not, it's not right." And, and we, we just felt we um, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't right. Something was really off that day, really off. I mean, the players felt it, everyone felt it, and and I suppose in a lot of ways you can say it's my fault because. Uh, I try to give that advice and, um, you know, um, they weren't happy. Running hard is Goddard. McFarlane looking for a free kick. He's going to get it. Oh, he's going to get it. Fifteen years on, Head makes a big admission. Look, uh, you know, I, I recall my review afterwards was that yeah, look, there was definitely some free kicks in the last quarter that were um, uh, that were incorrect decisions to the way of Fremantle. Um, you know, oh, look, I haven't gone back and, and 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 watched it, but I do recall that was the feedback um, that uh, yeah, definitely there was some some incorrect free kicks that that went the way of Fremantle, but. Look, I can hand on heart say that, you know, there were no decisions at any time that were impacted by 
um, you know, the comments during the week or anything other than just, just making errors on the night, you know, whether it was the occasion, the crowd or, um, I don't know. I just, just, just didn't have a, have a good last quarter and, and, and absolutely made, made some, made, made some errors. Join Sam Edmund for This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hear the stories of some of Australia's most inspiring and accomplished sports people. Instantly it was like, wow, major champion. They can't take that away from you. That's incredible. Riding in that Melbourne Cup, I've never had one go so smoothly for me. Who will it be this week? Join us to find out. This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund. Sunday mornings from 10 on SEN. This is where it all blows up. And after hearing all of this, you might find the whole incident is the perfect storm, given many of the key people involved would not normally be in the same place at the same time. Flight QF648 leaves Perth Airport just before midnight. But what takes place on the red-eye journey before, during and after shakes the foundations of the game. The umpires, media, St Kilda official Mark Parker and St Kilda member Mitch Rentesis are all on board the flight, which lands in Melbourne in the early hours of Saturday morning. Channel 9 reporter Tony Jones, who was part of the commentary team for the game, was on the flight. At 6pm that night, he put it in the public domain. While boarding the midnight flight back to Melbourne, one of the umpires, within earshot of several passengers, said, now I know what it feels like to have a victory. That umpire was Matthew Head, and the passenger he was speaking to was me. Now, while we're not implying that the umpires purposely influenced the outcome of the game, it does provide an insight into their mindset following last week's criticism from Grant Thomas. Jones's Channel 9 colleague and Collingwood President Eddie Maguire went on the record claiming he'd heard inappropriate comments as well. I heard a similar comment getting on the plane. It was the, the $20,000 and four comment, which uh, for which I, I obviously took as an inference to uh, it's cost, him, uh, cost him being Grant Thomas $20,000 and the four points. The next day, Channel 9 Sunday footy show and 6pm news re-airs the allegations. But the AFL has moved quickly to squash Jones's version of events, with former AFL football operations officer Adrian Anderson describing it as... A non-issue. But Jones wasn't backing down. Matthew Head replied, now I know what it feels like to have a victory. Now this story might well have been done and dusted on Sunday night had the Melbourne businessman and St Kilda supporter Rich Rentesis uh, not phoned up out of the blue on Monday morning. Uh, he was surprised when he heard the remark, so much so he wrote it down on his boarding pass. Mitch Rentesis was not interviewed by the league investigator. At least two other passengers who heard the remark were. Now how sensitive and difficult do you reckon it's been to report this story given the corporate relationship between Channel 9 and the AFL, a relationship we hope continues. But let me just say this, aside from my family I have two responsibilities in life, one is to my employer, the other one is to you, the viewer, and that responsibility is to bring you the uh, best and most accurate story I can, and I think I've been doing that for the past 20 years. Based on the current climate, the umpire story was legitimate. And I'll say again, I do not back away from my version of the story for one second. Umpire Matthew Head said it. That St Kilda fan, Mitch Rentesis, had time to work trip to Perth to watch his beloved Saints. Like many St Kilda fans that night, he was dirty on the game and believed his team had copped the rough end of the stick from the umpires. Unexpectedly seated at the front of the plane, Rentesis was about to do some quick note-taking. Tony Jones, who was sort of a a row behind me and um, uh, 
putting uh, you know putting his gear away or settling himself in, uh, made a comment to the uh, the boys you know along the lines of um, uh, you know uh, you boys had a good night tonight or you know words to that effect I guess, and uh, heard the famous uh, heard the famous words yeah it's nice to have a win or you know now we know what it's like to have a win, so uh, I, I sort of I, I did a double take. And <laughs> And had a look, and I thought oh, I've got to write this down. I've just got to remember this, and uh, so I did. Who made the Who made the comment? Look, I, I, I as I sort of recall now from all the drama that unfolded, it was um, I guess it was that umpiring question. Um, Matthew Head. Uh, was it Was it Matthew Head? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were hearing but at the, the time. At the time, I wouldn't have known who he was really. I just knew that he was one of the umpies. Um, you know, from the game. So, Mitch, were you hearing it or seeing it? Uh, both. Oh, okay. You saw, saw it and yep. heard it. You saw the conversation take the exchange take place. Yep. Yes, I did. And what prompted you to write it down? Oh, just you know, I guess it was the whole sort of um, we we were a bit we were a bit dirty on how the game had unfolded. Um, you know, the same supporters felt that uh, uh, you know there were pretty a few. Pretty bad decisions there, and I thought uh, I, I just wanted to remember it. I thought it was um, I thought it was notable. Rentesis has held this same story the whole way through. This was his chat with SEN's Kevin Bartlett on the Monday after the Fremantle St Kilda game. I was uh, fortunately upgraded. Um, I was in row 4J. I noticed a few of the uh, the Channel Nine commentary team. I noticed uh, Tony Jones. And uh, as the uh, as the boys were uh, filing past, I think there was a, a bit of a blockage as people were putting luggage in lockers, etc. I heard Tony's uh, uh, comment, and um, I heard the uh, I heard the reply, and uh, I was a bit surprised. By it. So I'm surprised the fact that you jotted it down, hmm. or, or the version, well, look, a couple of versions of what you thought. A, a, a few moments later, I thought, well, this, this is probably newsworthy, so um, I thought I'd note it down in, in, in case it was uh, necessary to. Um, uh, to repeat it, I guess, in the future. Now, remember Mark Parker from earlier on, Grant Thomas's right-hand man? Well, this is where he comes into play. It seems the business section of the plane must have been fairly empty that night because Parker was also bumped up to the pointy end of the plane, thanks to a mate of his who was a steward on the flight. Here's his version of events. The umpire got on and he said something to the effect of, um, that'll teach him four points and 20 grand or something like that, or 20,000 four points, something to that. And I heard this conversation. Then I saw Tony Jones stand up face-to-face with this umpire, Matthew Head, and said, you can't say that. And he sort of mumbled something and then went back. Now, Head wasn't sitting in business. They were down in, um, in economy. So Jones looked at me and looked at a couple of others and said, did you hear what he said? The bloke beside me wrote it on his boarding pass. Right? Mitch Rentesis, I think it turned out to be. That's yeah. him. He sat beside me. So he's written it on his boarding pass. And I saw him scribble something and put it away. And I thought nothing of it. I thought, geez, that was a little bit out of line, that, that comment. Because you don't need to squeak from the umpires. And I thought, what's he on about? And then Jones yells at him. He says, you blokes heard that, didn't you? He said, he can't say that. I said, yeah, what was it about? He said, oh, he's referring to Tomo's fine and, and that'll teach him. He's, he got, he's lost four points tonight on the game. He's got the fine and the four points. I said, geez, he's a bit out of line, isn't he? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, no good at all. Head had been named and shamed. Here was his brief statement in which he denied the allegations. At no point did I have any conversation with Tony Jones and the comment that is now well known in the media was definitely not made by me. 
This is why Brett Allen and I asked for this investigation. My biggest concern is the irreversible damage done to my reputation and to the umpiring fraternity in general. As has always been the case, the focus should only be on the game and not umpires. Head has kept his own counsel for 15 years. Now he insists he's never had anything to hide and if there were, in fact, whispers in the sky, he has never been aware of them. You know, I was I was a little bit worried about um, you know decision because I you know decisions I'd made because um, you know you started getting that feedback pretty quickly. Um, uh, you know that uh, you know you know that uh, you may have got a few wrong. And as we're walking um, walking onto the plane, you're right, we're in economy, and um, a, a, as you walk through the plane, um, you get held up because people are um, you know putting their their baggage in in the overhead you know, area and that sort of thing. And I, I got stalled. I can remember very clearly. I got stalled next to um, the Channel 9 commentators at, at, at the very start of – at the very front of um, business class and was sort of stalled there, you know, whilst people were putting their, putting their bags away and whatever else. And we just had a – we were just having a pretty brief general conversation about the game. You know, they were asking me about it. And, um, you know, it was nothing more than uh, – yeah, just a just just a just a passing conversation around, you know, just almost like a courteous thing, just whilst you're sort of standing right right there in front of him. And at the same time, Tony Jones was um, was further down business class and uh, was calling out to us about, um, uh, you know, about you know the game. And I, I can't remember exactly, sort of just making some comments. And Brett Allen was um, was behind me and just told me to ignore Tony. Um, so yeah, I was sort of just continuing my my conversation, you know, as I started started to move along the plane, and so I didn't have any conversation with Tony um, at, at all, and uh, yeah, and just just finished that finished that conversation I had, and just walked walked through the plane. I can remember, yeah, it was it was quite noisy, and yeah, people, um, you know, sort of you know talking about it, and uh, that that's really the extent of it. Got to my seat, and then slept slept pretty much the, the, the rest of the way home. So you didn't have any conversation with Tony Jones at all? No, no, I was just walking through walking through the plane. Um, uh, yeah, so so it wasn't a it wasn't a conversation with Tony. So obviously, if well and truly, unfortunately for you, familiar with the accusation that he um, is on record as basically saying his comment was, "Oh, geez, how about you guys tonight?" in a, a jovial sense, and and he alleges your reply was words to the effect of, "Now I know what it feels like to have a victory," but. I was going to ask you if there was any other sort of conversation with Tony Jones whereby this confusion may be somewhat explained, but you're saying you didn't exchange words with him at all? No, no, so it wasn't a conversation with Tony. No, absolutely not. How do you explain all these years on Tony Jones's adamant nature? He, he said he, he never lost a night's sleep over it. Could you reconcile with that at all? Well, I'm, I'm a little bit the same, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, so it's uh, one person's got their view, and I've got mine. Um, yeah, that, that that I still stick to to this day. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really as simple as that. And while it was just a coincidence that Mark Parker and Mitch Rentesis were in business class for the flight, it was just as coincidental that Matthew Head was on the flight at all. In fact, he had perhaps one of the most important weekends of his life planned. And he needed to get back to Melbourne as soon as possible. Uh, but the reason I got the red eye um, and I asked for special permission was that um, I was actually the next day I was um, uh, uh, had planned to propose to my wife. 
Um, uh, so I had had the day all set up, and then I got called into the game late. So um, so I had to go and get the ring um, in the morning. I think it was before like um, uh, you know before twelve o'clock or, or or whatever it was. So I had to get the red eye back that night. So that's that was the reason why I was on the red eye. I shouldn't have actually been on it in the first place. So while Tony Jones was dropping bombs on TV, Mitch Rentesis was doing the radio rounds, and Matthew Head was proposing to his partner the AFL decided to call an official investigation. I understand that the final report should be handed down to Adrian Anderson today at some stage. Uh, He'll review that report and uh, following that review, he'll make a determination and release the findings as we said we would. With the engagement ring now in his hot little hands, Matthew Head is getting ready to take his partner out for dinner where he will pop the question. But the couple are yet to leave the house when Head's night takes a turn. To be honest, no, I didn't think anything of it. And all the next day I had no, um, like just, just absolutely nothing of it. It wasn't until I was sitting on the couch uh, watching the news whilst my wife was getting ready. And um, uh, so didn't think anything of it. And then, I, and then the news came on and... Uh, and there was something about umpire, uh, the um, the AFL investigating um, uh, comments made by an umpire. I'm like, what? That must have been one of the boundary umpires or something. I'm I'm not aware of it. Um, so I thought it was a little bit weird, but didn't think too much of it. And then as as I was out for dinner that night, my phone's in my pocket, and it was just going off. You know, like text messages, phone ringing, people coming through. So I went and. Um, uh, went to uh, I pretended I need to go to the toilet and started getting all these texts. You know they're accusing you and I had a message from the Geish and like just Adrian Anderson at the time and all the people from the AFL and umpires all texting me. So I started to get really nervous and my wife doesn't follow footy. She has no comprehension of football or you know wouldn't even know what the shape of a what shape of a Sharon is. And this uh, wasn't the proposal night, was it, Matt? Well, this is this is the proposal night. Yeah, absolutely. It was on the Saturday night afterwards. So, so I've come back dripping in sweat, like you know, knowing that this thing's blowing up on radio and uh, everyone's texting me. And she was thinking that I was really nervous about the um, uh, about the engagement. So uh, it wasn't because you know I, I had all this stuff going on in the background. But um, uh, so that's when it all started to come out. And then uh, um, you know, had a few conversations that night, just saying, yeah, I'm not, yeah, don't, don't recall you know, anything like so um, it's, it's news to me. The AFL then engaged the services of former Victoria and Queensland Assistant Police Commissioner Alan Roberts and former policeman Bill Kneebone to conduct its investigation. Umpires Matthew Head and Brett Allen who also officiated on the night in question are interviewed. So too is Channel 9 pair Tony Jones and Eddie Maguire and Mark Parker. Thomas was happy for Parker to go along with the process but was keen to draw a line under the matter by Tuesday to focus on the next game. This is Parker's memory of the investigation and being interviewed. So I get a call and these two retired, they look like retired coppers came into my office. Sun's beaming in the window and they're asking me questions about the whole thing. Where I sat, what was I doing, blah, blah, blah. Who said this, who said So I told them all. I said, you sure that's what you heard? He said, we're "We're hearing different stories to that. I said, no, this is it. And I look up, and the bloke on the left is having a zuz. He's, he's got the sun coming in his face, and he's he's asleep. I'm going, I'm going. Oh, this is. I said, this is up the gigs. I said, this isn't serious. I said, this bloke's asleep. The other one's got a notebook about the size of a buddy one dollar note, and he's writing 
two or three things down. He didn't want to, he just wanted to shut it down. He said, he got the real um, copper voice and the copper antics to him. He said, you sure you're, what you're saying is right? And he's really getting stuck into me. I said, hang on, mate. So I'm telling you what happened. I said, you weren't there, I was there. I said, if you don't want to, if you don't want to listen to me, you don't know about it, that's fine. I said, but I'm telling you exactly what happened. Tony Jones did this, this is what happened. The bloke there did the boarding pass. I saw him scribble, I heard it all, bang. I said, it's pretty black and white to me. I said, right on, right on, Mr. Parker, we'll report. We'll come back to you, Mr. Parker, no worries. Thanks for your help with the investigation. So I left it at that. I rang Tom, I said, i just give it to these two coppers, Deluxe. I said, I'll just keep told them everything that happened. And I said, oh, I don't think they're interested, mate. I said, I think they just want to shut this down and move on. And then TJ rang me again and met me in the car park face-to-face at work. He said, oh, he goes, I'm looking like an absolute deal through all this. He said, because I've seen it, heard it, you've heard it, Rentessa's heard it, we've all heard it, and they, they're not going to take it anywhere. He said, I'm going to end up with um, egg on my face here. I said, well, mate, look, I said, it's getting to Tuesday night. I said, Tom, I wants to shut it down as of today. I said, I, I can't do any more. And I said, plus, we've got next week to focus on. He said, okay, fine. So I left it with him. He was filthy, absolutely filthy. He's in the car park at my work in South Melbourne, pacing up and down like he'd, he'd, like he'd really been dumped on from a great height because he couldn't get through with anything. So then nothing happens. And then 48 hours, they come back and say, um, nothing to answer to all, case closed down, move on. Matthew Head says his interview with investigators took place on the Monday and went for some time. So they asked me what happened. I told them what happened and said, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I didn't say anything like that. Um, so, uh, so I think that that was a Saturday night, um, uh, and then yeah, on the Sunday, more conversations. And um, uh, and then uh, yeah, there were, the investigation was called, so I had to go in on Monday, and um, uh, and that's when um, the um, uh, the ex detective was an ex detective came in and basically interrogated me for for a few hours. I might have been over a couple of days as well. I might have had to go on back in for for questioning, and he questioned all these other people, and then uh, I think it lasted to about. Thursday or maybe Thursday or Friday or something like that. And, um, yeah, they rang me and said, look, um, yeah, there's been someone um, uh, that's supported your course of events and, few, you know, there was a few observers there that um, – uh, supporting course of you know your 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 story and um, did you ever find out who that might have been, Matt? No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. I think they wanted to. Um, for, for my recollection was that uh, they wanted to remain anonymous. Um, uh, but they were sitting in the plane and sort of watched it all unfold. On the Wednesday after the Dockers' loss, Thomas is fined $15,000 with $5,000 of that coming for a suspended sanction for a previous criticism of the tribunal. St Kilda also cop a $5,000 whack. By Friday, the AFL investigation clears umpires' head and Allen of claims of impropriety. In the immediate aftermath, all parties remain resolute in their version of events, something that hasn't changed in 15 years. Here's St Kilda great Nick Rewalt in July 2019 telling SEN Breakfast what he thought of the saga. Play Just there. swept. Gary, they had the little broom out. Were they, you, like, they lifted up the rug and was that, they just was that a swept big, it under the big rug. Was that topic of uh, your, your club at the time? Uh, we just felt like, what, you know, what, what was going on? What's mm. going on here? Why, why are we at war with everyone? But did you, as a player, feel like there was a set against you from the, co- from the umpires? Um... Oh yeah, we 
particularly around that time. Did you? Yeah. Yep. And that was because of Tomo. Well, we we knew that Tomo and and um, Andrew Demetrio would you know they they were at it. They were going at it pretty yep. hard. Yet Thomas and Head have broken bread since, with Head reaching out and meeting Thomas at his home several years after the alleged incident. Matt is a is a really good bloke um, who I've got to know and communicate with on on, on very odd occasions. Um, uh, we he follows me on Twitter and we have a bit of banter on there. But he did uh, take the time to give me a call and come around and see me at, um, at, at my home in Brighton uh, and full credit to him for doing that. And he wanted to put the matter at rest, um, which, you know, I, I said, yeah, fine. I, I didn't have any problem with it. It was some time later. It was many, you know, I can't tell exactly, but it seems to me that it was five or eight, ten years after the incident. And, um, and the incident is now 15 years ago or whatever it is. And... Um, and still not rested, but it's part of footy folklore. So you can't get away from that, for good, bad, or indifferent. But uh, um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a good chat with Matt, and uh, we we sort of shook hands and moved on from there. What did he want to say to you exactly, Ty? Just to put put a line underneath it, or uh, clear the air, or further oh, look, look, Matt, Matt, and I understand his situation, whether or not he he uh, uh, didn't provide his best performance on that night or not. Uh, it was best off asking him about that, but he, he was a professional in business, and in, you know he was a decent uh, uh, business person, and he didn't want his name uh, to be uh, uh, brought under question uh, as it had been or was um, through the saga, which then went away and then came back. It comes back every three or five years, and uh, as I said, because it's part of footy folklore, and. Um, when it gets raised, I'm sure uh, Matty has a sleepless night, but, you know, um, I'm sure he can laugh about it now. Head says the pair have agreed to disagree and get on well, with Thomas even providing the former whistleblower with business advice. Yeah, but we ended up uh, making contact um, uh, and catching up a couple of times. So uh, so I met him in at, uh, at Crown and then he, uh, you know, as a follow-up, I ended up going around to his house for dinner and having, uh, sorry, for, uh, for a coffee. Um, and just talking, what you know, Tomo has obviously got a you know a lot of opinions on on, on a lot of things. Um, but what I liked about Tomo and, and dealing with him was that uh, he's like, this is what I think. You know, it doesn't you know I don't hate you as a person or you know anything like that. You know, as I said, he invited me into his home, um, and he's offered to help me out on a couple of work things as well. Um, he's, but he's got his opinion on things and. Uh, uh, he thinks one thing, I think something else, and uh, you know that's it. And you know we, you know, I'm happy to you know take his call or um, you know or or give him a buzz from time to time. So it's an agree to disagree resolution, if I can call it that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I mean he's still got his views, and uh, you know he, he he won't change from those. And um, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it. But so significant did he believe this time was in his coaching career, Thomas feels his deteriorating relationship with the AFL and its umpires was a key domino that fell in the lead-up to his sacking at the end of 2006. Look, umpires are human beings. Um, and um, when when they get offended, they act and react. We've seen it, we've seen it for 100 years. I mean, back when I played in the 70s or 80s, uh, um, if you had a crack at an umpire, like he made you earn every free kick after. It's human nature. Um, so I don't think we're talking about any uh, 
anything that, you know, we don't know. I mean, they're not beyond reproach. Um, that's a fact. I get really concerned when they when people say uh, such and such is beyond reproach. Well, everyone's got a skeleton in their closet and everyone conducts themselves um, differently and everyone has their limitation and there's no doubt they're offended, they're upset. I have to go and speak to the part of the rehabilitation for the for the umpires I was so mentally damaged I had to go and talk to them which uh, um, there was, there were, you could hear a pin drop where I had, had to speak to them in a theatre complex and about different things and um, uh, part, part of that was uh, uh, to say you know uh, you know sorry for you know if I've offended you for the words I used which I was fined for uh, didn't get any of the money back but that doesn't matter and um, uh, it, it sort of turned into a, you know, uh, well, it wasn't a great day. But I'll put it this way: there was no applause or anything like that. There was no makeup. Uh, they were really, really shitty. And uh, even when I went there to, you know, talk to them at their conference, and um, that stayed around for a while. I mean, that definitely uh, had a legacy uh, with St Kilda whilst I was there for a while. It might have been part of the reason I left, but uh, um, it was disappointing. But they're human beings and they're offended and they did what they did and there's no getting away from that. And, um, yeah, it's all part of history now. And for Matthew Head, while the night of his proposal may have been a bumpy ride, it's all worked out for the best. Yeah, well, well, my uh, my my married life has worked out better than my umpiring career. <laughs> they were the whispers in the sky that erupted into a deafening roar in the footy world. And all these years on, we can't be exactly sure of what really happened. Join us on the next episode of Uncovered, where we pull back the curtain on another big footy story from years gone by.